Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Well, um, we are coming to the end of our very last look at the book of Revelation. And we've skipped a whole bunch of chapters. We have skipped from chapter 7 to chapter 21, and there's a whole mess of things in there that we are not going to get to. Uh, We may go back at some point and and look at those things, um, but I thought this is uh, a natural kind of transition point in the schedule for the year, and and this is the end, and I think this will take us and wrap things up, I hope, uh, quite nicely. Well, we've we've witnessed, some of the things we've witnessed, in fact, or we haven't as we've gone forward, is a, a tremendous struggle between uh, the forces of good in the world and the forces of evil. It's a cosmic struggle. And we, and we said that's one of the characteristics at the very beginning of something that we called kind of prophetic apocalyptic literature. It's a, a genre of, of writing that was popular in the time. And so it's prophetic in that it calls God's people to live and to, to be a certain way. And it's apocalyptic in, in the sense that it reveals, because that's what that word means. It reveals... Um, it reveals things about the nature of God and what God is doing. And so a hallmark of that is some really, really kind of metaphorical and, and crazy, fantastic uh, uh, imagery. And so we've skipped a whole bunch of that with creatures with multiple heads and, I don't know, beasts and dragons and earthquakes and lots of blood. Uh, so we've, we've, we've skipped all of that. Um, uh, but we've said, we have a tendency to say that this, this book is a, a book of doom and gloom, but it's not. My contention from the very beginning is that the book of Revelation is a book of encouragement and hope. It is written to people in and around the known world at the time who are struggling to live faithfully uh, in relationship with God and with each other. Uh, that there's lots of these pressures that, that surround them and call them to live a certain way or to do a certain thing, uh, to... to to sacrifice their faithfulness and their convictions and their beliefs uh, just so they could blend in or, or be free from persecution. Uh, and this book is meant to well, call them to continued faithfulness. Some of them, as we saw in, in the letters, that they needed a little bit more of a, a jolt, a kick in the rear. Uh, it's also to encourage them to say, yes, even though it looks dark and it looks bad, that the forces of good in this world, who is... Jesus Christ, the, the lamb who was and is and will be the slaughtered one who raised from the dead, defeating death and sin. Uh, that that force of good in the world is, is winning and has won. Uh, and that's where we end up, that's where we end up today. Uh, immediately preceding today's passage, um, uh, we've seen that there's this final victory over the, uh, the beast and Satan and uh, they get kind of kicked out. And this final victory, the resurrection, the final resurrection takes place. And every last human that ever has lived uh, is raised from the dead. And it's, it's judgment time. Like, uh, there's two books that get opened uh, right before this. The, the, book of, uh, the book of life. Yeah, the book of life, which tells about has all, everybody's names who have been faithful written in it. Uh, these are the people who have, uh, in John's words, conquered or overcome uh, and have been, be, 
been faithful and remained faithful. Um, the second book is uh, one that, that holds all of everybody's deeds. And uh, this is where I wanted to show the picture. Do we have, do we have that? Can we? Okay. Here we go. Um, do you remember these little tracks? The little, little like rectangular books um, referred to as chick tracks? Nobody else? You do? Um, I don't know where we saw These were like evangelism tracks. And like you were supposed to give them to people to um, convince them that Jesus loved them and that they should follow him. And, and this one is really, really, uh, this is kind of depicting the scene. This guy has died and he thought he was a good guy, but he ends up uh, at judgment day beside the big faceless man sitting on the throne. By the way, like this image is seared into my mind from when I was a child. This is what I was talking about, kids. This isn't it, okay? Uh, but he's there, and, and the, the image is that like this giant projector screen pops up, and it's going to display all of the things this man has ever done. Like, and and we're, we're led to believe like, that it's, it's bad things, and I don't know what he's doing there, if he's ripping the head off of that bunny rabbit, but, uh, you know, he's, he's, go to the next one. If there is a next one. There we go. Uh, and it shows him in church. You know, his mind is wondering about what the score of the baseball or football game is. Not that any of you would ever do that. Not that I would ever do that while I was preaching. Um, you know, or thinking about what a waste of time this is. And, and just thinking all these kinds of bad, bad thoughts. And God finally, after everything's done, opens up the book of life. And like, is his name there? And the angel's like, yeah, no. And... Uh, it's not, and he gets cast off. That looks like a slide down to hell. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is what I, I grew up thinking, right? Like that, that projector screen, in my mind, that God is going to play all of the bad things that I have ever done for all of creation that ever lived and, and would live for, for them to see and and it just, didn't, it just didn't square kind of with my understanding of, of who God was. Who, who Jesus comes and says, you know, your sins, they are as far away from, from me as the east is from the west. And I don't I uh, Get rid of that. Sorry. <laughs> uh, that is not a picture of hope. Uh, that's not a, a picture of what I think... Uh, God is intending us to see in, in this passage. Yes, there's going to be an accounting of what we do in this world. Can we, can we go past that? Um, now, I, I don't think that... Uh, now, I don't think that... that we're saying that you have to do good things to get in heaven, right? We, we don't believe that. Um, we believe that we're saved by faith, that, that Christ helps us to have faith, and, and, but our, our works, the things that we do, are a reflection of, of who we are and what God is doing in us. And so when we do good things, um, it shows that we are, that we are living faithfully. Um, that it, maybe it doesn't matter much what you believe. It does. So don't, don't mishear me. As much as it matters, um, the things that you do, how well you have loved others. 
how, how well the decisions that you've made have, have helped to bring about life and hope and happiness for others because that is what Christ has done and is doing for us. So I, I hope that just doesn't like hijack the whole thing and you, that's the only thing you forget or remember from today. Because I think the picture that we see today is just is so much different and it's so much more hope-filled. And we start with, uh, we start with verse one here. And you guys, I, I can't control it today for whatever reason. Uh, so at least I don't think I can. We'll try again. Um, we start, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven, I think I got it now, and the first earth have passed away and the sea was no more. We, uh, we get this very beginning image. Maybe. Here we go. Uh, we get this, this very beginning image that like the world is being remade. Now, um, the language passed away. I think a lot of times we end up thinking that it's, it's just being destroyed, right? But I don't think, and, and when we get to the end of this, we'll maybe be a little clearer. That's not what God is talking about. God isn't talking about necessarily like scrapping the whole thing and starting over, but he's, he's making things new. Um, he's making things new. Uh, it's like this. Uh, it's like we have an old, old car. Uh, and it is in bad shape. And it needs to be restored. And so someone who has skill in these things, which is certainly not me, comes and, and they evaluate the car and everything that needs it. And they take it apart and, and they clean the parts that can be cleaned and salvaged. And they you know, sand off the rust and bang out the dents and rip out the old carpet. And, and by the time they're done with all of that, the car is beautiful and shiny. It has not been made all new, but it has been made new. So it's all things new, not all new things. We'll get to that in a second. But that, does that make sense? So here we see, we see the, uh, the heaven, the new heaven and the new earth. And it is not that God is just starting all over again with something new, but that God is restoring and redeeming and, and sanding off the rust and pounding out the dents and replacing the carpet and making it all shiny and new again. And then I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out from heaven uh, from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Uh, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death will be no more, and mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. Again, it is a picture of God coming and restoring and remaking the brokenness of creation. Uh, I think one of the things that I want us to take away, and and someone said this in Bible study, uh, that what this image does is it provides hope because there's hope for me yet. Like there's hope for me in in my brokenness and in my sinfulness. The fact that that God has chosen, not just with me, but with all of creation to, to restore and to redeem. And God will make his home with us. Uh, that the, the new Jerusalem, which is kind of a metaphor for where God is, because Jerusalem is where the temple was for Israel. 
And so that's where God's presence was meant or was thought to dwell on earth. And so this new Jerusalem comes and God makes his home among us. And just like I told the kids that being in the presence of God changes us. It, it makes us new. It makes us be able to be in his presence and, and to do all of the things that we were created to do, to be in unbroken relationship with the God who created us to be in relationship with him. It is the fulfillment of our purpose in the world. It is the fulfillment of creation's purpose in the world to finally be whole and unbroken, to be restored and to be renewed. And you and I get to be a part of that. And the one who was seated on the throne said, see, I am making all things new. Uh, I, this is what leads me to think all this, along with kind of the rest of the biblical, wit, the witness, the biblical witness. That this is what God is doing. He's making all things new. It gives me hope. I hope it gives you hope too. Uh, that as God is changing us, he can use us to help change the world as well. Also, he said, he wrote these words. Write these words, for these are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. To those who conquer, those who conquer will inherit these things, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the polluted, the murderers, the fornicators, the sorcerers, and the, the idolaters, and all the liars, their place will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Now, this part may give you a little bit of pause, right? Uh, I always, when I hear something like this, I always want to uh, dun-dun-dun to the end of, uh, of the reading because it sounds just so... So foreboding, and if we look at this and we take it in contrast to what Jesus has just said about making all things new, I, sometimes I think it's hard to, to, to reconcile the two. If the book of Revelation is prophetic and it's apocalyptic, if, if it's calling God's people to account to live faithfully and it's revealing what God is doing in the world, then this makes, this makes a little bit more sense. Uh, because this whole work has been about calling, calling the believers of the time to living faithfully. At the same time, though, it reveals what happens to those who continue to choose not to live in the loving way of Jesus Christ. I, we had a really good discussion about what the second death is and what hell looks like. And, and ultimately, I don't know that it matters. What I do know matters is that, that God doesn't send folks to hell. Like we end up choosing that for ourselves. Because, God has, because, because love is love and love always requires a choice, right? It always needs freedom to be love because if it's coerced, it's not love. That God is always saying, I love you and I want you to love me back and I want you to live in the same kind of way in, in, 
in goodness and righteousness and faithfulness and, and in love. And if we choose over and over and over again not to love God back, we end up like this list that isn't comprehensive. This is, ends up who we are, and we, we choose our own destiny. We choose where we might end up. I do not want this, however, to be something that is scary to you. Because one of the things that I love that the Old Testament confesses over and over and over again is that God is gracious and merciful. We read it in the, in the call to worship. Abounding in steadfast love and mercy. And he's relenting from punishment. I think... Well, I think this makes this statement make a little more sense. The entire book of Revelation is written not to unbelievers, but to believers. It is written to the church in the first century, and it is written to the church here and now. And so it is. It is a call for us to remain faithful. And I think that, it, that with that, and if anything, these letters that we read at the beginning make the point that like we are not always everything that we should be in our faithfulness. We are, we are all too willing at times to, to do whatever we need to conform. We are all too willing sometimes to chase after uh, other gods, safety and security. We, we are all too often willing to love ourselves more than we love anyone else. And God knows this. And yet... I think as long as we are seeking to be faithful, as long as we are asking for God each day to strengthen us through his spirit, to to cleanse us, that the second death in the lake of fire and sulfur is not where we end up. Does that make sense? God is gracious and merciful. That even if we have done crazy bad things, that there is hope that it, of being remade and that Christ understands our frailty and our faithlessness and gives us the strength to be faithful when we need to. I have a, a quote here. At the beginning of Revelation, Christians are called to conquer through the faithfulness to God and the Lamb. The Lamb conquered by offering himself as a sacrifice for others before being raised to everlasting glory. Those who are freed by the Lamb become part of the resistance movement against the pressures, against pressures to abandon faith. Whether these pressures come from over, overt hostility, the tempt, temptation to compromise one's faith to assimilate more, comfortable, assimilate more comfortably into pagan society, or from complacency that wealth induces. I, and this kind of sums up what I think, that Uh, we are called to conquer, to overcome. All of those things. And this is what what John is writing uh, to us. Again, this is not meant to be a scare tactic. Uh, It is meant to point us, well, it asks us as the church to choose a side. Are we going to be obedient and faithful 
in the way of Jesus Christ. Whoa. A little dizzy right there. Are we going to be faithful? Are we going to, to learn to love like Christ has? Or are we going to choose to compromise for safety and security and comfortableness and wealth. When we compromise, we end up choosing our own destiny. My hope for us as folks, as a church, is that we will always choose to be on the side of the crucified yet resurrected Jesus Christ. Uh, the side that is called into partnership with God for the making new of all things. Uh, that as Christ is working in us, that Christ is working through us for the sake of our church and our neighborhood and ultimately our world. One of the things that we do, one of the things that we do every week to help us to remain faithful is to, re- to uh, receive the, the Lord's Supper. It is not just, well, it is a re-narrating of Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection. Uh, but it is, it's also re-narrating that and calls us to reenact that with him. But it helps us to remember who we are and to, whom's, to which side we belong. But I also firmly believe that it is a meal like any other. That in a way that I, that I can't articulate, that the bread and the cup, they get inside of us in, in a wonderful, mysterious, mis, mysterious way, and they strengthen us and fortify us so that we might leave from this place in the power of the Spirit to participate with Christ's making all things new. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.